Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London, I'm Josh Noble. Today we're looking at the consequences of climate change and rising temperatures on human health. Darren Dodd discusses this year's extreme weather and what it means with Leslie Hook, FT Environment Correspondent, and Laurie Laybourne-Langton, Director of the UK Health Alliance on Climate Change. Heat waves, drought, wildfires have been spreading across the world over the last few months, from Japan, where record temperatures have raised questions about the viability of the 2020 Olympics, to Greece and Portugal, where parts of the country have hit 47 degrees, not far off Athens' record of 48 degrees in 1977. Even normally temperate Britain is not immune. So we start with you, Leslie. Let's talk about the science. Well, I've heard this phrase about the tipping point reached in terms of global warming and um, the effect on the planet. Fill us a little bit just briefly on where we are in terms of the science. Thank you, Darren. Well, based on what we know, the world has already warmed about one degree since pre-industrial times. And the latest research shows that we could warm as much as two degrees by 2050. And that would lead to a sort of hothouse state, which means four to five degrees of warming compared to pre-industrial times by 2100. And so there is some uncertainty, but what we're seeing now is the beginning of a series of reactions between the atmosphere, the oceans, the ice caps that will, in fact, change the world as we know it. And this year we've had a rather hot summer in many parts of the world, and it's really only the beginning. And what does that actually mean for individuals? Even in the UK, you could report warning about excessive deaths from heat-related illnesses in the future. Yeah, the latest report out from uh, one of the select committees said that they think heat-related deaths could triple by 2050 to reach 7,000 a year. Now, the UK is a bit of an unusual case because you still have more people who die from cold than from heat here due to the climate. But what we know about global warming is that the temperature changes will be most pronounced, in fact, at the poles. But the impact on people will be greatest in places that are already quite hot. So while in London, you know, 30 degree weather just means more ice cream, if you're living close to the the tropics, close to the equator, then each additional degree of warming makes a, a much bigger difference in terms of your ability to go about daily life. Yeah. So Laurie, tell us a little bit about the effects on health. So I think there are three ways to think about this or three categories to put them into. The first would be direct, the second indirect, and then the third deeper, longer term effects upon health. So direct are many of the impacts that we're beginning to see now in the UK and also around the world over the last few years. So effects upon your physical health, becoming too warm, episodes of fainting or impacts upon your respiratory system. Also impacts upon mental health, which are things that we don't necessarily associate with hot weather, apart from the potential boost uh, from being able to spend more time outside and have fun. We know that there are large negative impacts upon mental health when it comes to heat because of the impacts upon your ability to sleep, from your ability to work and interact with people in the day-to-day, particularly if you live in a city. More extreme examples of direct effects include the impacts of fires and some of the other horrendous things that we've seen in the news this summer. Indirect effects are then instances where changes in the climate will undermine our ability, the foundation upon which good health can occur. So a good example of that would be the northward march of vector-borne diseases like malaria and then beginning to work their way into Europe as a result of raised temperatures. And then as we head into the longer term, deeper effects could be diseases resulting from massive migrationary events where parts of the world have experienced social collapse as a result of less food or other impacts of heat waves and and climate-related problems. And in terms of mitigating some of these problems, Leslie, I mean, there are some solutions out there 
uh, in terms of adapting to climate change and changes in urban planning, etc. Tell us a little bit about those. Well, there is a lot that can be done, especially in places like the UK that are not that hot, to just make it more comfortable and more safe to live in the heat, starting with public health warnings. But if you look at the heat wave in France, for example, the first one in 2003, there were more than 10,000 related deaths. But when similar temperatures occurred just a few years later, the death toll was greatly reduced due to better warnings and better understanding by the public about how to respond and plan when hot weather was on the way. So you do see that um, a simple warning can have some impact. There's also other changes like changes in architecture, the way that buildings are designed. A lot of Mediterranean architecture or North African architecture is designed to have air moving through the building. It can be much more comfortable in hot weather. Working hours is another way to adapt to hot temperatures, avoiding working in the hottest hours of the day, especially for people who do manual labor. So there are ways to change, and I think it's something that people will have to be thinking more and more about. And in the kind of the present period, Laurie, in terms of the reactions from public health authorities, you're just back from Greece. I mean, tell us a little bit about how the response has gone over there. There's been a lot of criticism towards some of the emergency services for how the wildfires that we heard a lot about in the news were handled. There's still yet to be the conclusion about how that was handled in Greece, but it does raise the question of how emergency services, particularly health authorities, are going to react to higher incidents of hot weather, including wildfires in parts of the world where that's a serious problem. And as Leslie's saying, this is all to do with the need to adapt and prepare for a very different world to the one that we've been used to over the last few decades. And that requires the need to educate people on how to deal with heat and the need to have the proper resources to deal with extreme events like fires and and other things like that. And I would just add to that, alongside preparing and adapting to what climate change is going to do, we must stay laser focused on the need to reduce the cause of climate change, to reduce emissions. And as this hothouse earth effect papers has come out in the last few days at almost the perfect time, um, it says in it that there needs to be profound social, economic and political transformations in this country and around the world to ensure that we tackle this problem at the source. And that remains and must always remain our main focus. We've read warnings about climate change for many years now, but Leslie mentioned that the tipping point in terms of the science earlier. Do you think we're at this tipping point now in terms of public perception of the dangers for climate change to health? Are we moving it from a, a pure environmental concern to something that's really a public health concern? Is this the summer that changed everything? I hope, and it has to be. I'm 29, and my entire life I've been reading papers and warnings from the scientific community saying that we're going to have these wildfires, that we're going to have the impacts of heat waves upon people's health. It is now happening, very obviously, very rudely in people's faces. This has to be that moment, that tipping point moment, as you say, where public opinion shifts, and then we get the political will and ambition to tackle this problem at the source. Okay, thanks very much, both of you. And don't forget, you can follow all our health journalism at ft.com slash health, where you can also sign up for your free weekly health briefing. That was Darren Dodd talking to Leslie Hook, FT Environment Correspondent, and Laurie Laybourne langton Director of the UK Health Alliance on Climate Change. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with more news next week. But in the meantime, do take a look at our latest subscriber offer, which you can find at ft.com forward slash offer 50.